0: The title of the message this morning is The Reckoning, or The Appointment, if you would prefer. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Kings, uh, chapter 16. We've got a lot to cover this morning. We're going to cover essentially a little bit of of about four chapters, uh, chapter 16 through chapter 19 of 1 Kings. We're going to introduce three important persons. Some of you are familiar with these. You may be only familiar with one. Uh, but some of you are familiar with all three of the people that we're going to speak about this morning. Ahab, Jezebel, and Elijah. When I was a boy, we had a grocery store like most uh, small town uh, And the name of the grocery store was Bloomer's Grocery Store. Not Bloomers, now Bloomer's. And uh, every month, my dad had to go in and pay for his groceries. That is, they kept a running tab of how much he spent each week, which was our custom to go to the grocery store on his day off. Now, I know that now, but at that time, it just, I just really didn't think so much about the reckoning or the fact that he would have to pay up at the end of the month. I just thought it was pretty cool. You could go into that store, get all of those things, and all you had to do was sign a little piece of paper. Now, as that developed in my mind, I was riding my bicycle out in that area one time. It's about a mile from my house, and, uh... I decided I thought well you know what this is really a good system I think I'll just go get me some candy and uh, I'll have the store owner I'll have him write that candy down on there and I then I can just leave now how many of you can see beyond that little plan and see that that's not going to turn out well because in fact it wasn't long before my dad who went into to the store for the reckoning or to pay the bill, found out that his son had charged some candy at that store without telling him. Now, my dad was known to come to his son and have what I call a reckoning, and therefore we had a reckoning. Some of you call that a come to Jesus moment. Now this morning I want us to look at the three principles in 1st Kings chapter 16 and let's just talk about a reckoning because this is a generation that forgets at times that it is indeed going to have to stand before God and give an account. All of history is moving toward that. We have seen the falling away. Now The Bible says in the last days there shall be a falling away. Now, I didn't mention COVID-19 or anything like that, but it really doesn't have to. There are a number of things that can be brought to bear on a culture that can cause a falling away. And so, therefore, I want this morning to talk about Ahab and Jezebel's reckoning. If you go on YouTube... Uh, you will find a sermon that R.G. Lee, the late great pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church, preached on this very passage, and the name of it was Payday Someday. R.G. Lee preached over a thousand times that very sermon. I think about the folks that record each week what I preach on and are always coming to me and saying, well, you know, uh, you preached on that three years ago. (laughs) Uh, and R.G. Lee preached on that passage over a thousand times, payday someday. And in fact, not only can you watch it today, but it is uh, in a, his sermon has been bound into a hardback book. And I have a copy of it for myself. But there came a time for Jezebel and Ahab that there was a reckoning. You know, sin can cause us to think that there'll never be a reckoning. There'll never be an appointment for that judgment, for that sin to be judged. But Jezebel, the Bible says, and Ahab were wicked before the Lord. If you go to 1 Kings uh, chapter 16 and you look at verse 29, and I kind of want to give you an overview with some insight, if I might, to what we're talking about this morning because this is not common for most of us to, to think on this. You know, you don't meet girls named Jezebel today, do you? No, sir. You, you just don't. I mean, you. Uh, I saw on TV the, the other day a, a girl whose name was Vashti, which you, you see that. You see Esther. You, you see Ruth, but you don't see Jezebel, do you? And there's a reason for that. And if you look at 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29, where Ahab is introduced as one who becomes king and reigns in Israel, there's a brief statement that should catch our attention here. It says, In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. At one time, Israel was considered to be Judah and beyond Judah, but then it was divided, and it was Judah in the south and Israel primarily in the north. But in verse 30, it says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. Now, if you go down a little bit farther, you, you would see uh, Jezebel is introduced as well. In verse 31, it says, He took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal king of Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. So his wife Jezebel led him away from the one true God. Uh, she was a part of of an empire, if you will, in Sidon. We've heard of Tyre and Sidon, the Old Testament refers to them, that was pursuing a false god, the god called Baal. We might know him more in our minds as Zeus. And so this god of Baal was introduced once again into Israel. Now there is a pattern of this Uh, throughout the Old Testament with numerous kings whereas Israel would purge itself of these false gods and then a new king would come along and he would reintroduce either through his wife or simply on his own, he would introduce these false gods into Israel, these pagan gods into Israel. When I was in the Middle East and And uh, in Israel and in Jordan in particular, uh, they had uh, these places that had been set aside that still are there, remnants are still there, of uh, pagan worship, uh, places that had been dedicated to the false gods, to gods that we would assume to be and we know to be mythical, rather, I should have said. Now... Having said that, Ahab is introduced as a wicked king and Jezebel is really the power behind the kingdom, if you will, and the power behind the throne. Uh, In fact, uh, I don't think Ahab said hardly anything that Jezebel didn't lead him to say. Uh, He didn't say really anything that came from God. He only said things that came from Jezebel. Jezebel. Now, we fast forward a little bit and and we go through, uh, we have the introduction of the prophet Elijah that, as one pastor said, is toiling in contrary wind, and he is doing so against the tide. He is is the only one, he says, among all of these prophets of Baal, in fact, 450 prophets of Baal It's referred to. And Elijah is led by God to say there will be no rain. There is going to come a famine into the land. Well, that catches, of course, Jezebel and and Ahab's attention. And therefore, they see Elijah as the one who is troubling all of Israel. Now, that's always fascinated me because Elijah is just doing God's will. And so he's the one that's troubling Israel. Well, where's the real trouble in Israel? Ahab and Jezebel. And you might even say, where's the real trouble in Israel? Jezebel. That's that's exactly where the trouble is. And yet, they perceive that Elijah is the one who is troubling Israel. He is representing God who owns Israel, who brought Israel out of Egypt. And so therefore, they have a challenge of these False prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and Elijah prevails and they follow them to the brook Kishon and there they're all they're all killed and wiped out. Now I want to tell you how the response of uh Eli, or excuse me, of Jezebel is to the news that there has been destruction of all of the false prophets. And the way she responds to that is recorded in Scripture. She responds to that by saying this. I am going to do to Elijah what he has done to my false prophets. Although she does not refer to them as false prophets. Now, here's the point as we move through this passage of Scripture ahab and jezebel are operating as if as if there will never be a reckoning they are operating as if they will never have to stand before god they are what we might say delusional and i think it's appropriate for us to think about this morning because I am deeply concerned for our nation and for our folks in our nation. As you know, I'm going to leave tomorrow and, and go to Louisiana and uh, spend a week there, and I am concerned about their suffering, their, the human suffering that folks there are going through, and it appears that there's even more suffering ahead with another hurricane that's headed to parts of Louisiana. Having said that, my deepest concern is for their spiritual condition. And the recognition that man is acting today as if he will never have an accounting before the Lord. And we know that is not true. In fact, we know just the opposite is true. Man will have to stand before God. In chapter 19... And now I have found it. I was looking for it. I don't know if you could tell that or not. In chapter 19, it says Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. Then he was afraid. Now you may say, why would he be afraid? He has God, does he not? We can read the Bible and absolutely not get it. (laughs) Absolutely not get it. Do I really have to make the point that we're afraid a lot? And so why are we afraid? Do I have to do that? I, I I I continually hear this idea perpetuated that Israel is somehow shameful because it has God who's done all of these miracles. Help me. Come on. God who's done all of these miracles. He's done tremendous things that cannot even be imagined in the hearts of men. And yet they fail to believe. Shame on Israel. Shame on Israel. Are you detecting some sarcasm? Shame on Israel. Well, the truth of it is, is oh my, oh my. One preacher said years ago when he pointed one forward, he had three pointing back at him. So, so am I. Well, so Jezebel is what we might say Of herself. And Ahab is full of herself too. And as one guy said in one movie, they're going down. They're going down. And just like the Israelites who suffered in Egypt and didn't believe God was paying any attention. Ahab and Jezebel don't believe God's paying any attention either. They believe they can do whatever they want to, whenever they want to, and that there will never be a reckoning or an accounting. They don't know of the New Testament that clearly tells us it's appointed once for a man to die and after this the judgment. For we shall all appear before the judgment seat of God. The Bible says, I saw the small and the great stand before God. Kings and tyrants and the humblest among us, presidents will all stand before the Lord. I sometimes become rather disgusted when I hear some of the Language and the words used by even our president today, because he's forgotten, he will stand before God. If he hadn't, he appears to have. We must all be reminded of that. Well, let's go a little bit farther in this story. First Kings, chapter twenty-one. First Kings, chapter twenty-one. There is no limit. In Jezebel's iniquity she could have could she not have repented when all of the prophets were slain she could have repented she could have said well Lord I get that I I see now but she did not her heart only grew harder there was a man we're introduced to, and his name is Naboth. I didn't mention him earlier, but I will mention him now. Found in chapter 21, he had a little vineyard. He had a little vineyard, and um, guess what? Jezebel decided she wanted it. She decided that it should be hers. Remember now, there's no limit to what she thinks she can do. So in chapter 21, we're told that Jezebel, talking to Ahab, hatches out a little plan to take Naboth's vineyard. Well, Ahab goes to him and he he says, I'll give you some money for your vineyard. Just sell it to me. When Naboth says, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's been in my family all of these years. And it's a part of me. I have a little something like that of my own that's just sitting there rusting. It means absolutely nothing to most people, but I have my grandfather's 53 Chevy truck, which God is doing all that he can to take back to dust. And I occasionally will just go sit in it for a few minutes. It brings back a flood of memories. I've had people before come and say uh, would you be interested in selling that? I say no I would not. Because it's more important to me than silver or gold. And this is Naboth's vineyard. He won't sell it. But look what Jezebel says. She's not deterred by that at all. Look, Look at chapter 21. But Jezebel, his wife came to his first five and said to him, why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he said to her, because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, give me your vineyard for money or else if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Why do you think Ahab's spirit was so vexed? I think because of Jezebel. That's what I think. And Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you not govern Israel? What is she saying? Man up? Arise, eat bread, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. I will give you whatever your little heart desires. God won't care. She doesn't even care about God. She spends no nights. All she does is think about what she wants. Jezebel doesn't repent. But you know Ahab does? But before there, what happens? They trump up this story in this latter part of this chapter. And Naboth, in verse 15, it says has been stoned and was dead. Jezebel said they Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, which he refused to give you money, for he's not alive, he's dead. It's a rather interesting little plot, and uh, just do whatever you want. You know. May I say to you that God is paying attention. If you read the Old Testament and even today, sometimes you think, well, why do good folks struggle and the wicked prosper? You've thought that, haven't you? Haven't we all thought that at one time? Now, we know the Bible says there's none good except for God. We get that, but, but what we're essentially saying, why is it that people that seem to step all over each other or... They don't follow God in any way. Why do they seem to be prospering in this life? And why do people who live for God seem to suffer? Well, the answer is clear. There's a payday someday. There's a payday. I'm a little disturbing to see the number we have today. I just have to be honest about it. But I don't want to say much to you because you're the faithful ones. Right? But I want to remind you that God is taking note. Amen. There is a payday Sunday. Someday, across the, the echoes of heaven, we will hear, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Are you of well, God in Westover? Kept the faith. It's not you. An accounting. There is a place where all will be settled. There is a time determined by God where man will be held to account. God is being stirred up. And how many of you know when God gets stirred up, you need to pay attention to that? The Lord in the latter part of chapter 21, the Lord condemns Ahab. And the Bible says Ahab repented. Look at verse 19, the latter part of verse 19. And this is God speaking to him. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, in the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick your own blood. That's pretty gross. Now, I don't believe in what goes around and comes around because I believe in the God of the Bible. Amen. But I do believe this. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, Ahab and Jezebel have sown to the wind, and they will reap the whirlwind. They will indeed reap the judgment of God. There is a payday someday. So Ahab is told this, and is you think Jezebel will escape? Verse twenty-three of chapter twenty-one, and of Jezebel, the Lord also said, "The dogs shall, shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel." Jezebel's thrown out a window. And there's, according to Scripture, almost nothing left of her. I think her hands and her feet. Maybe something else, I don't recall. But just very little is left of her. Naboth, who was just an innocent vineyard holder, who only held on to the vineyard because it was in his family. God didn't like that. God brought righteous judgment. And might I say to you that God is righteous in bringing judgment on sin. He despises the separation that He creates between himself and us. And he despises what it does to us. The damage it causes upon us. And Ahab will repent. And that's found in chapter 21. But We know Ahab will die in war. He's he's killed in battle. That's found in chapter 22. I'll go over to 2 Kings 9. I I think I'm right about that. Second Kings chapter 9, verse 30. God will use Jehu as a righteous instrument of judgment against Jezebel. When Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and adorned her head. And looked out of the window. And as Jehu entered the gate, she says, Is it peace, you Zimri, murderer of your master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked out on him. And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down. And some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and they trampled on her. Then he went in and ate and drank, and he said, See now, To this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. But when they went to bury her, they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right to a man but the end thereof is destruction. Because judgment is not swift in some cases and people are allowed to live a lifetime away from God, some people draw the conclusion that there will be no judgment. That's the wrong conclusion. It appears that Jezebel lives about 10 years longer than Ahab does. And it may be that she believed she had escaped the judgment of God. Maybe she falsely believed that Ahab was the one who would have to pay the price. And maybe in her mind she had concocted this idea that it was Ahab who was king who should have said no. I don't know what was going through her mind, but the truth of it is whether it's 10 years 20 years, 30 years, or 40 years, or 5 minutes, there's not a person who will listen to this sermon here or anywhere else who can escape standing before God. The question is not if. The question is when. The question is not if. The question is when. Just like I do here, I'll meet people there in uh, Louisiana when I get there that will be so consumed by the rebuilding of their house. And that's understandable, isn't it? They will be so consumed by the removal of trees and the restoration of electricity, or the restoring of electricity, and all of the things that we consider to be the normal part of life. But the truth of it is, is I know something, and you know something, that is this. Even if you get their electricity back on, even if you get their homes repaired, and even if you get the trees removed from their yard, there's something bigger, is that right? Something bigger. That's temporal stuff. It's important stuff. We wouldn't be going to do that stuff if we didn't value it. We do. We understand it. But if we don't go beyond it, shame on us. Because everybody will have a payday someday. Well, in that grocery store, there came a wreck. Now, my dad was nothing like Mr. Cleaver on Leave it to Beaver. Remember that? Mm -hmm. You remember how he would sit down with his son and say, Wally, Beave, what were you thinking when you did what you did? That's not the way it went. I always wish I had kind of a kind of a hybrid between Andy Griffith and Mr. Cleaver. Ward, Ward Cleaver, right? His first name escaped me. Uh, I always wish I could kind of have a hybrid between the two. That would have been the, the coolest of dads. But God gave me the dad I needed. I don't question his sovereignty or his providence. But there came a day... Just like in every boy's life, where you go, uh-oh. I like the teacher Westerman. She was every boy's dream. She was just slightly older than the junior class, which is every boy's dream as a teacher. <laughs> Flaming red hair. The only thing I forgot was she had my mother's phone number <laughs> and one day when I arrived home from school in my usual happy-go-lucky thinking and attitude my mother was on the phone it was Mrs. Western it just so happened that my mama's boy had been acting up a little And in those days, the teacher called your mama. And your mama did not go, Son, I'm sorry you had a bad day. If your mama was like my mama, she just wanted to enhance your experience. There's a reckoning. How many things in life have you got away with? Aren't you glad that, that everything you did wrong hadn't been boom, there it is? Amen. And Naboth wasn't perfect. You think the little boy that had the vineyard was a perfect man, yeah? You think? No, I don't think so. I think Naboth experienced God's grace. Don't be surprised if Ahab's in heaven. Don't be surprised a bit about it. Because the Bible says that he repented of what he did. And though God still gave physical consequences to what he did, God would look at him eternally different because of his repentance. But I tell you somebody that's not in heaven, and that's Jezebel. And she's not in heaven not because God didn't love her. He did. And she's not in heaven... Uh, Not because she did something bad. She's in heaven because she would not repent. She's not there. She's not in heaven because she would not repent. There's a reckoning, amen. There's a payday someday. used to be a song. People would sing, I'm prayed up, packed up, ready to go. Are you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We appreciate it. Lord, we don't look at Jezebel as in a self-righteous way, but we look at her as going, well, you know, if it wasn't for the grace of God, so go I. We don't look at Ahab as a as a just simply a flawed person but we see him as a sinner and we don't see Naboth as a perfect person we see him also as a sinner the difference is is grace and so we plead the grace and receive the grace and follow the grace and proclaim the grace of Christ to forgive sinners in Jesus name